This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Check this out. It is free. No, I'm serious. It's free, 100%. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor then distributes that podcast for you, and you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from that podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Jeremy Cachet, the other JT, and June Lee from ESPN, and we're going to talk some baseball. Let's go. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. This is a party, guys. All right. So, uh, you know, I'm going to start off by giving some bona fides about you guys. We've got, you know, JT going out um, with his new gig in South Florida, Fox Sports, covering everything, Heat, Marlins, you name it, he's on it. Um, and he's got his uh, Swings and Mishes podcast with Craig Mish and pretty much any place else you can find him. So how you doing, JT? Yeah, that's, that's all accurate. Thanks, man. Uh, I'm great. It's so good to be back on here with you guys. I cannot believe there's a world where you just introduced me before June. That's insane. Um, but thank you for having me on, uh, now just so that everybody knows this, listening to this actually Fox sports, Florida, um, and all the Fox sports regional networks, by the time you were listening to this, will have transitioned to Bally sports, Florida, uh, and the Bally sports regional networks, uh, new look, same broadcast, you know, it's all, yeah, it's, it's, it's super cool. I'm excited about the graphics and everything. And, um, they are going to have a sort of big focus on digital, which is exciting for me, uh, as I am a digital host. So that works out pretty well. Awesome. Um, but yeah, are you getting super any big off of the bets? Me. Huh? I see you getting oh, a off the bets. Of the big? <laughs> yeah, no, I wish, I wish that that was associated with us. Uh, no, we just, it's just the naming rights deal, unfortunately, but, um, but yeah, super, super excited. And thank you guys for having me on. Seriously, this is uh, always super fun. Thank you for joining us. And now we move on over to June Lee, who's currently a staff writer at ESPN, but he comes from, you know, a good history of Bleacher Report and even uh, Washington Post. So welcome, June. Thank you for having me on. This is exciting. It's, uh, it's, it's always uh, interesting and fascinating to see how uh, passionate the Levitar community is in person. And so see, hopping onto the Zoom call and seeing like nine different people was not something I expected <laughs> to like see tonight. So, well, well, well nobody you, prepared you. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> if you ever get a chance, ask Billy how he likes coming on to 20 people. Because I love he, Billy. He, he gets scared quite, quite easily as, as we all know, or who listen to Billy talk or, or not talk as it goes. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to start it off, but I'm going to throw it out to uh, Will, who's got some topics for you both. Go ahead, Will. Thank you very much, Ant. Uh, June, Jeremy, thanks for joining us so much for your time. Um, so uh, besides the fact that Ant's a lot smarter than me in general, he also knows way more about baseball. I appreciate baseball in like from like a uh, John boy breakdown video perspective. Right. And from a, whatever is trending on Twitter or might be trending, you know, on Reddit, uh, That's not uh, a bad thing. The day. 
it's 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 a way you know that's all you have guys, to there's there's so many games there's so there's many there's a games. lot of games and mm-hmm. and i'm i'm from north carolina so of course that you know you're caught in that middle you know area where there's like some half the folks are fans of the orioles half the folks are fans of the the braves right mm-hmm. so I didn't. I didn't really grow up with baseball in my blood. I grew up watching basketball and NASCAR uh, for, for you know in North Carolina. Uh, as someone who kind of consumes the sport that way, what are some of the storylines? I like the weird stuff in baseball. I like the very like just the bizarre things about the sport. What in your mind are some stories that I should be paying attention to or some some interesting aspects of, you know, uh, I don't know, team dynamic storylines moving forward into this next season? Uh, and whoever wants to go uh, first, go for it. I, I've actually got a story coming out next week on ESPN.com that actually kind of t- touches on something that I think might appeal uh, to the more casual baseball fan. But I think to the general cultural progression of the unwritten rules that we've seen over the course of the last couple of years. Um, I think, especially last year, I think was a a big year for that. And just seeing Fernando Tatis become the face of baseball in many ways. Uh, He, you know, he's obviously only two years into his career. And so it's still early, but I think we've seen kind of a cultural acceptance of bat flips happen. And that, that kind of feels like the tip of the iceberg in a lot of ways. And beyond that, we're just seeing more flair and fashion on the field, whether it's chains, crazy cleats. Uh, and then I think on social media too, I think we're starting to see kind of more of the personalities kind of show up on the field, whether it's guys showing off their fashion on Instagram or just generally guys tweeting about what's happening in baseball. Like when Fernando Tatis did his bat flip last year, you saw guys from around the sport kind of comment on it. I feel like there's just this growing social media culture in general around baseball right now. And guys are just generally feeling more comfortable being themselves in a way that I think kind of went against the grain of baseball culture in the past. And then I think on top of all of that, uh, just the general youth movement in the sport, I feel like among the casual fan, especially we're seeing so much more excitement about baseball's youth generation. than I think we've seen in a long time and, you know, it's so easy to kind of beat Tatis into the ground as a conversation topic around baseball right now. But I think there's, as much excitement around him as a potential like crossover baseball star as there has been since King Griffey Jr. And there hasn't really been a parallel since that. And so just beyond that, I think that is such a fascinating cultural aspect of baseball right now that I think the casual fan can easily latch onto. And I think uh, tying this back into the unwritten rules, you're just seeing kind of more multiculturalism happening across the sport where guys from different countries are just kind of comfortable to be themselves in a way that I think they're not getting policed by the unwritten rules as they right. used to be. And so I think we're just kind of seeing this cultural shift where baseball is adapting to the social media age in a way, finally, basically, I think where they're letting the personality finally show up kind of letting these like broader, you know, the more like the NBA wrestling type storylines kind of emerge a little bit more. And they're letting that happen because personality is showing more in the field. I'll compound exactly off what June said. I I wholeheartedly agree that that's the most fun thing to look forward to this season is some of those, uh, I don't want to say rivalries being created, but we we will create the rivalries amongst these players as we pit their careers up against one another as they grow. But I think what it is, is truly like, Gen Z is here to save baseball. That sounds like kind of crazy, right? right? right. But it's, it's the young guys who are using social media in a way where they're not really scared of it. Um, I think that a lot of like the millennials in baseball, right? The, the players aged 35 to say 26, 27 right now, there was this weird in between with baseball kind of ending an era of the way that it it felt on the field in the on-field presentation and its popularity that ended with the end of the steroid era. But there were all of these sort of carryover players that existed from a time where baseball didn't necessarily market the individual. And so now you have all these young guys all across the league. I mean, one guy that I covered in Miami, Jazz Chisholm, like he wants to be a superstar. Like he just it's all he wants. He's out there on social media. Every time his name is tweeted, he's liking tweets and responding to fans because that he sees that as a way to, to do something beyond just being the typical baseball star. And so he might not be, you know, the type of prospect, obviously that Fernando Tatis jr is, but he is 
Miami's version of here's what we're looking for in the future. Here's somebody who's fun, who can connect to the kids. Um, and if you are looking just side note for something like fun and weird in baseball, uh, this might be hopefully knock on wood, you know, fingers crossed the first full season of Shohei Otani doing both pitching and hitting. And he is just an absolute monster. Yeah, like one okay. way or another as a bat, I'm so excited to, to kind of see him back on the field and, 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 in a full 162 game season at this point in his career. So if you're looking for an individual uh, experience, an individual player to look for something strange, go to the West coast for it. Okay. Always, All right. right. Always go to the West coast for something weird. I guess. <laughs> totally. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much for those answers, fellas. Back to you, Ant. Yeah. And what I was going to say is the time where you were saying, Jeremy, I also feel like for a long time, players just said, I'll go out on the field, do my job. Albert Pujols is a perfect example. He just goes out, does his job. He was great at average. He was great at first. He hit his home runs, and that's how he became popular. He didn't want to go out there and do the stuff that, you know, Tatis wants to do or, or even like even a Harper, which is now a veteran, but still more recently of a guy who came out there and said, no, I want to be a, a face. I want to be out there in front. I want to, you know, talk about me and get me, you know, on the, on the pad. So in many ways, baseball didn't even want to do it. Never mind, you also had players who didn't really want to be involved, and now there seems to be much more synergy there with that kind of stuff. Well, in a large way, the popularity of the sport for a long time carried the star, right? Like, you can be a somewhat lazy star in the NBA in terms of marketing yourself, and you're still a worldwide phenomenon. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, does. when's the last time you heard him speak? He's a superstar. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I really cannot. I don't know if I've heard him say words since the pandemic started like I don't remember the last time I've heard Kawhi speak he's a superstar because the height of that sport right now and that popularity he doesn't necessarily need to put in too much extra marketing right now in baseball it's not trending in the wrong direction it's it's where it is but it's not at the height of the national popularity or international popularity in the in the present moment of something like basketball and so you know these players kind of are taking the bull by the horns so to speak yeah, and I think just to build off of that, too, uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that and I think Jeremy mentioned this before is that baseball used to train these players to be afraid of social media. Like they, I had players literally tell me yep. uh, for the story that's coming out next week that, you know, they would be in the minor leagues and social media managers and the league would basically just be like, hey, here are all the things you shouldn't do. And so there's this kind of culture of fear that built around social media because they viewed it as this thing that could get people in trouble. Uh, and so and just generally, I think the the idea of self-promotion didn't necessarily fit in within the culture, the clubhouse culture of baseball. And I think especially just given the the kind of the the downward trend in terms of popularity that we've seen in terms of baseball's baseball's uh, presence in the national discourse among sports. I think the sport and the league is realizing, oh, we need to lean into uh, what makes baseball different, which I think is the multiculturalism is the fact that it is 162 games and you kind of get to know the personality of a lot of these players over the course of a lot of, uh, over the course of the season. Uh, and so I think we're, we're starting to see baseball kind of acknowledge that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting just because in 2015, uh, Jose Bautista bat flipped in, in the playoffs. It was this huge iconic moment. And back then it was this, massive controversy like there are people talking about whether or not Bautista should have done it and if you look at the cover of MLB the show this year the video game Fernando Tatis is literally bat flipping on the cover now it's marketing yep. material so <laughs> I think that by itself kind of sh shows the progression in in kind of the perception of a lot of this stuff that we've seen in a really short period of time I very well said so next we're going to jump out to our foreign correspondent from the land down under and hit it over to Morgan. Go ahead, Morgan. Hi, guys. So lovely to have you with us. JT, welcome back. Um, I just want to know, is there going to be a progression where baseballers are going to have to get to the point like where they're told, like, at the moment we want them to speak? Are they going to cross over to shut up and dribble point where we no longer, like, where they actually have opinions and, and they have to carry that, like, social burden as well? I think, I think we're starting to see the point where this kind of stuff is crossing over. And I think the turning point last year, at least on social media, was the Astros trash can banging scandal. Because it was, that was the first time 
in my recollection as someone who spends a lot of time on Twitter <laughs> um, huh. was, was seeing players tweet out their opinions on something happening within baseball and going out of their way to criticize other players. Like that used to kind of be a socially taboo thing. And I think when George Floyd was killed last year, that was also a turning point because you saw not only black players, but white players tweeting black lives matter within baseball. And I think more than any other sport, in the country baseball kind of has the political balance within the clubhouse of representing America where you really see kind of a club when you go into the clubhouse you kind of see the diaspora of opinions and backgrounds in the major league clubhouse um, from black players to white players uh, to liberal white players to conservative white players to Latin players you really see it all in there and so um, you know, it's it's kind of safe in the NBA to say Black Lives Matter because that league is predominantly black, mm-hmm. but it's not safe to say that in baseball because you know that you're going to have teammates who disagree with you on a political level. And I think in the past that used to be this taboo thing where you don't want to divide the clubhouse using that. But I think players are recognizing that everyone is an individual. Everyone has their own opinion. And I think I think baseball clubhouses and baseball as a whole is getting better at treating every single individual player as an individual and respecting someone's individuality while also trying to maintain that clubhouse culture. And so it's definitely a, f- a fine line, but I, I had, I, I, and this kind of ties into the unwritten rules piece that I'm, uh, uh, that's coming out next week for ESPN.com. But we, I talked about this with several black players about kind of whether or not they feel comfortable in embracing their full black identity within the sport. And they said it's really only happened within the last couple of years as, as kind of, we've seen this massive social political shift across the country where, you know, corporate America is now embracing the social justice movement, which is something that like, I think would have been hard to imagine when black lives matter first started. So I think we've already started to see that shift happen. And I think as the individuality of the social media era of baseball kind of continues to grow, I think you're only going to continue seeing that kind of develop further. Yeah, and I Perfect. just to, thank you very much. Yeah, just to compound just a little bit off of because June absolutely like nailed that, and I, there's not really much to add. But the one thing that was uh, mesmerizing for me last year was specifically Clayton Kershaw um, stepping up during everything that was happening with the Black Lives Matter movement, and such a star in the game who obviously is a lightning rod for criticism, as any uh, Lebetard fan knows. Um, for him to sort of stand up and 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 be behind that with other white teammates and seem I, if I remember correctly and June you can correct me if I'm wrong but seemingly the first big public stance from a white player in baseball um, when he wrote, he wrote a Players Tribune article and, and I think him and Lucas Giolito were the first two kind of yeah. big white players to say something. It, yep, it sounds Lucas like the Aaron Rodgers effect, sort of. Black sure, yeah, well, and it's what it's actually it's it was really in a way like what people have wanted more from Aaron Rodgers, et cetera, right? Like from those white quarterbacks in football, people have wanted people to step up. That actually happened in Major League Baseball in a way that kind of went unnoticed because baseball also wasn't happening at the time and and it didn't affect as much or rather as many of the players in their league as it did in the NFL or in the NBA. And Mm so um, some of that activism, activism sort of went overlooked but I would say you know based off your question I think we're way we're still trending toward players saying more and more way closer than we would be on the downslope toward shut up and dribble like I think we're just ascending toward players having their opinions in a way that's real and substantial yeah yeah and And now now that Clayton I'm sorry. Now that Clayton Kershaw has a ring to put in a box, he's opinion matters more. I heard so. So people will yeah. listen louder. Yeah, yeah and, and just to build off of that too, like I think Mookie Betts is kind of the perfect personification of kind of the shift that's happened because Mookie is obviously one of the you know prominent black players in baseball. He, uh, you know, I used to cover him a lot in Boston. I know Mookie pretty well. And when the Kaepernick stuff first started happening, his dad is uh, is a veteran of the military. Um, and obviously there was a lot of narrative around whether or not kneeling was disrespectful to the military and Mookie, you know, he hadn't signed his massive contract yet. You know, he, I, th- I think part of him probably didn't necessarily, and this is speculation on my part, but probably didn't necessarily want to put that in danger. And it wasn't until after he signed his big contract and kind of this massive corporate shift happened behind that, that Mookie was felt comfortable 
kneeling for the anthem. And that's exactly what happened the day after he signed his massive contract with the Dodgers. And so, you know, I think someone like him kind of personifies this cultural shift that's happening within the sport of baseball. Okay. I appreciate your answers. Um, I'm, I'm encouraged more of that kind of shift. I think it's a good thing. So wonderful. Thanks for having me. Agreed. Thanks. So June, I just want a follow-up question on your article and you may not have any insight into this, but I'm wondering if you've got any insight on how black players have felt considering the amount of black players in baseball has continued to decline as the sort of social activism has gone the other way. And do they feel they have to balance, not just because they're black, but because they're, I don't know, one of a couple black players on their team, if they're lucky, where they, they, they're going to feel to have a smaller voice just in general. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I specifically talked, I, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much of my story coming That's out fine. next week. We'll make sure but... to retweet it when it comes out. Don't worry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I had a conversation with Jason Hayward about how um, he feels as if a lot of black players are kind of put into a box as to what they can do. So, you know, there's not a lot of black middle infielders, you know, there's not a lot of black shortstops. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys start out in the middle infield. Mookie, one of them, he was a second baseman. They got converted to the outfield that he says he thinks that that's a small way that black players kind of get boxed out in baseball there's not a lot of black bench players you know d d strange gordon is 32 years old and is currently a free agent uh and you know he's a guy that's not making a team right now um there's there's you know there's i think generally a lot of black players in the sport have kind of felt uncomfortable in figuring out how to toe that line especially as the number of black players in the sport has gone down um and I think they're hoping that this kind of shift in the unwritten rules and guys feeling more uh, comfortable being able to show their personality, being able to speak up on these these issues of social justice. I think that there is a sense of optimism at, at the very minimum uh, that there can be some sort of tide shift. And I think an, an evidence of this is, you know, if you look at Mookie, again, to go back to Mookie, Mookie is one of the you know most popular players in baseball and also one of the most famous black athletes in the sport if you look if you look at the numbers in youth baseball participation in nashville since mookie has become a star with the red Sox and won an mvp youth participation in baseball in nashville has skyrocketed and a lot of people within the city call that the mookie bets effect because here's a guy from you know he, he's from the suburbs of nashville but here's a guy from nashville who looks like a lot of the black population in nashville and he's become a baseball star. And Mookie wasn't a huge baseball fan growing up. It just happens to be the sport that he's best at. He's a huge basketball fan, but uh, you know, he's kind of inspired this new generation of young black people and in, in young black kids in Nashville to pick up baseball because there's a guy that looks like him who's from Nashville and he's a superstar in baseball making hundreds of millions of dollars. And I think it's really hard to understate kind of that you know, it's 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 hard to understate. Like, if you don't see yourself represented on TV, it's hard to kind of dream that happening. And I think someone like Mookie and just generally the more outspoken black players that we're seeing within the sport of baseball are trying their best right now to kind of shift the narrative around baseball as, as, as for for black athletes in general. Because at the end of the day, like there's a lot of financial opportunity in baseball, and a lot of those guys are going to play football or basketball right now. I think that's very well said. I think being able to look into any sort of career and see people who look like you or your gender, your, se- your, your gender, your race, et cetera, does definitely add to, to them going out and saying, yeah, I can do that too because so-and-so is there. Absolutely. So next we're going to throw it out to Pam in Virginia. She's got a question more specific to her region, but uh, we'll let her <laughs> ask it anyway. Thank you. I do have a question, kind well, really specific to my region. Um, with opening day now just hours away, I wonder what you both see for the Washington Nationals this season. Uh, I think they'll be better than last year. <laughs> I'm not willing to go much further than that yeah. right now. Yep. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I so I I watched a bit of the Nationals this spring, uh, uh-huh. and I I I think they're the worst team in the division. Um, Super, I really do. Um, and that's not because they're necessarily like a bad baseball team. Mm-hmm. Um, by any means, I the I'm of the belief. Stacked. I'm yeah. of the belief the NL East is 
the the best division in baseball um, because I think they'll have the best last place team, uh, whether that be the Marlins or the Phillies or the Nationals or somehow the Mets or Braves, which I don't really see happening unless the Mets Mets. Uh, but that's a really, really good division. And I, from a win loss perspective, I don't see the nationals faring much better than last season, but they could still be a better baseball team. That doesn't necessarily mean they won't be more competitive in the games that they play and that they can't still, Mm -hmm. and that Juan Soto isn't still like one of the best left-handed hitters I've ever seen with my own two eyes. Uh, it just means that I don't, I don't think they're quite a a playoff team this season. If that's, if that's the hope. Uh, It's always the hope, but (laughs) I'm also a realist and understand, you know, it, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. They're they're in a weird in between as a team right now. They're in a weird, the way the roster is constructed. Yeah, they really are. Um, I have a follow-up, totally not baseball-related, but definitely JT-related. Did you see the article that came out yesterday that the motel from Schitt's Creek is for sale? I have. I have (laughs) seen that. Yeah, so I just about... So that motel that they filmed Schitt's Creek at has been on sale, I think, for like six months now because it feels like every two weeks somebody tags me on Twitter in either a Forbes (laughs) article or a GQ article or a Newsweek article. Somebody has repurposed this article that that motel is on sale. And every single time I want to start a GoFundMe to just purchase it. But uh, obviously that would be a big waste of everyone's time and money. But my goodness, what a a world it would be to own the Schitt's Creek Motel. Right. Live there for the rest of my life. We in LEH compound? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's 1.6 million, which in the grand scheme of the universe is not that much money. You would think it'd be worse. It's a whole motel. Yeah. They film things there. (laughs) Yeah, we should start that GoFundMe. I'm I'm in. I've got like $20 I can add It's It's now in the description of this podcast. You guys go look in Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's there for you. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you both so much. And now we're going to throw it out to, uh, to Mr. Miami, um, Kiz, but he's got some, uh, local questions for you. Hey guys. So I'm actually like a child of refugees, as I say on the show, but it's from a country, uh, that's not really into baseball. So you, despite growing up in Miami and stuff, I never really, you know, got into baseball until or even really attended a game until I went to uh, move to St. Louis and attended my first game at Bush Stadium. And that was like an amazing experience. Um, like just the just juxtaposition of the, you know, really passionate fans and kind of uh, how also casual the watching experience was, uh, was something that I really liked. And I'm excited to go to my, you know, next baseball game now that I moved back to Miami. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to get, you know, some free tickets with my work. So with that being said, what's the best way to watch a baseball game? Like what food do I need to have? What drinks do I need to have? What kind of people do I need to bring with me? Is it better live or at home? Oh man, that's a loaded question. Yeah, that's you. Can I give you like some answers for both live and at home? Yes, please. Like any suggestions. Okay. So I think at home, it is, it is okay to accept the fact that you are going to get distracted. If you are not a diehard uh, who really understands the intricacies of every pitch, it is okay at the beginning. It's sort of like, like I've, I've sort of tried to get into meditation, and I'm not very good at it, but everyone It can be good background me, noise. <laughs> yeah, well, it could be really good meditation background noise. But I, I, people have told me that you're going to fail. You're going to get distracted when you meditate and you just have to accept that you're going to get distracted as long as you center yourself back to the meditation. I feel the same way about consuming baseball. As long as you ultimately get back to watching it, you're good. There's sometimes quite a while between pitches or action, especially in this sort of home run or strikeout culture. And so it is okay to occasionally get distracted. But if you're going to go to a game, you want to have the best experience. First of all, it's a beer and a hot dog. 
I think if you're going to supplement anywhere from there, it's the typical peanuts or Cracker Jacks. I'm a Cracker Jacks guy, personally, myself. Uh, but I think the, the key in terms of who you bring with you, do not bring someone who doesn't want to go to the baseball game. I have <laughs> like made your this kids? mistake far too many times of bringing people to baseball games by trying to convince them that they want to go to a baseball game. If they don't want to go to a baseball game, you are not going to have fun at said baseball game because they will complain about the pace or the heat or the overpriced food or whatever it might be. And at Marlins Park, you actually have like a, a really comfortable viewing experience in terms of like half the time it's air conditioned and the roof's closed. And it's like a really easy place to go watch a game, particularly, especially this year, it won't be very crowded. So, you know, you're, you're always going to be, uh, always going to want to make sure you have somebody with you who wants to be there as well. And yes, I saw I just, the, is it ever a joke about the attendance in the chat? <laughs> uh, I think, I think a lot of, for me, like, I love watching baseball on TV because it's like a consistent it's I think it can sometimes be easier to like watch a baseball game oh, on yeah. television. If you're watching for like the pitch by pitch, the, like yes. you can see the strike zone, you can see the facial expressions of the players. Like you can, you can kind of get the sense of the nuance of the game. I love going to baseball games uh, depending on the, especially depending on the park. Like if you're going mm -hmm. to like a lot of these really old baseball stadiums. Like I grew up a 30 minute walk to Fenway park. It feels like a museum every single every single time you walk in, you go to Yan Yankee stadium is kind of a corporate museum place now, but yeah. the old Yankee stadium I've heard was just amazing. Dodger stadium. If you go to the top deck of Dodger stadium, it's one of the most oh. beautiful places like in America. Like you see the mountains, <laughs> you see the sunset. It's like, it's like romantic as hell. If you like, want to go on a date with someone and they like remotely like baseball i think you just fly from miami to la with your date It'll be perfect. <laughs> uh, there's i mean there's a lot of beautiful baseball stadiums so mm -hmm. um you know i think i would probably echo the beer and hot dog thing um you know some places have good food most don't mm -hmm. most ba baseball pizzas trash i would say like that's very Both good stadiums advice. have really, really bad pizza. I've always been a popcorn person more than a peanuts person, but that's that's more of a personal preference thing. Um, but I don't know. I just I, don't, I, I would I would echo a lot of Jeremy's advice. Appreciate that. So I'm definitely getting a hot dog and, and a beer next time I go. Yes, absolutely. Hopefully we'll be soon. Also, it, it, also batting practice can be fun, too. If you, yes. you want to go early. Yeah, because you just there's less people there. Uh, you hear the crack of the bat, uh, balls are kind of flying around. You might have a chance of getting a ball. Um, it's just a, it's, it's just a different vibe and like, it's going early, right? Like I have pissed off people. I've pissed off family members by being like, yo, I want to go to the ballpark two hours before the game. Right. Uh -huh. But it's, it's fun. If you like baseball, it's the pregame. It's literally the pregame. Like you can go have, you know, have your first beer of the night while watching batting practice, get your scope of the of the ballpark at Marlins park. There's like so much going on and it's not, it's different in terms of just cause I know you're down here. It's certainly not Fenway park or Yankee stadium or Wrigley field or Dodger stadium in terms of the history or the reverence behind it, but there's all sorts of fun, new little features. I know they're opening like a new beer garden. Essentially you can go have a good time in that hour, hour and a half beforehand. And yeah, Snag, you know, see what's going on with the players, like, especially like, and this is just personal advice to this team. This team, like, is obsessed with the fans, like, because mm. they didn't get to have them last year. Because there's 14 and, in the stadium. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, I was going to no, say, man. It's fair. <laughs> it's fair. No, no, no. It's, it's a totally fair thing. It, it really is. Like, because of that, though, the people that go consistently or the people that go and say, hey. You can develop a relationship you know, with the Marlins. Yeah, you actually can. I mean it. It's like, I mean, it's not even a slight. It's like, it's a positive bonus. It's a little bit of a slight. <laughs> I'm going to choose to look at it as a positive, June. We're just going to let this one go. All right. I'm not well, has, railing against the attendance. Yeah, glass half full. It's a personal, intimate experience for you and whoever you decide to bring to the game. <laughs> and the other thing Appreciate I'd add, that. going back to, you ask someone who wants to go two hours early, you weed out the people who really don't want to go to the baseball game to begin with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can, they're like, you want me to go two hours before anything happens? Like, no, like, it's, it's, it can be enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Well, now we're going to throw it out over to, to Murph 
from uh, his garage. Good evening. Good evening. Yeah, I can I can testify to Marlins Park being the players are very accessible. Even like the really good ones back in the day, Jose Fernandez, uh, Denny Hechevarria, um, Yelich, like they were all super accessible. Marlins Park is underrated too. It's a good yeah. park. Yeah, it, it, it like and going back to it's I have the opposite uh, views. I like hate Bush Stadium. I love Marlins Park because it feels like a freaking VIP experience. You get you know you have room to your left, to your right. There's no one bothering you, and you know just get to chill and watch baseball. So, um, but my question for you guys is, uh, what do you guys think of the new name for Marlins Park or for? I guess the new name is going to be Lone Depot Park. Lone Depot Park. Yeah, for the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my favorite part about it um, is that they have a name. Uh, just from, from the personal side of hoping that the Marlins will eventually spend some money, it's good news uh, that they have a naming partner. I think it's hilarious that they're that Lone Depot is having them uh, keep the P in park lowercase to match the lowercase L in Lone Depot. I think it's the funniest thing in the world. Uh, I think it's perfect for internet culture and I'm here for the memes. That's pretty much it gets opinion. me as excited as the Chicago White Sox field, which is guaranteed rate park, which is like, yep. All right. <laughs> it's just all right you have a name <laughs> so guaranteed rate paid two million i think so i mean are we thinking that it's gonna end up being around there honestly i i don't have a great gauge on it i'd be interested to see specifically because lone depot also is the corporate sponsor of the league championship series if there's a sort of different uh pay rate in order to get involved here if this is like a favor to mlb type deal and so it's an easy rate or if they had if in their mind they went well let's pay more you know to get on this team that you know we see a future i don't really know how that would work i have no idea uh what their thought process was there it could kind of be any direction yeah i think it's i think it i think it's good i'm, I'm glad they got a they got a name on it finally i mean i think you know baseball is better when when fans are engaged and teams are engaged and you can, you know, like haves and have nots, even though I'm a Yankee fan and I'm one of the haves, you know, huh. the haves and have nots is never good for baseball. It's always good when, when everybody sort of is out there and, you know, able to keep their homegrown players and do all the things that we would mm -hmm. want our teams to do, whether we were able to spend like the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Red Sox or, you know, like, like the Marlins do at times. I mean, to, to, to be honest, I prefer when stadiums don't have corporate names like yep. Fenway and Yankee Stadium and Dodger Stadium. But I think that also might be a financial privilege that those teams have. So, yeah, oh, no, no. Right. Just, I, I just meant for the Marlins. I think it was, I was glad to see them be able to get a little more money under their hood just in general. You know, mm -hmm. I don't need, uh, you know, Dodger Park sponsored by. Home They're still going to call it Marlins Park. Yeah, of course. Be realistic. Everybody's still going to call it Marlins Park. Are you? That's the question. Well, they're going to call gonna be, it the Orange Bowl. I can't. I am going to have to say Lone Depot more times than I care to this season. Can you say uh, LD Park? LDP? Yeah, L LD Park. <laughs> the, the LD. I, I'm trying to come up with some cool way to say it. I don't think it's ever going to happen. It's Miami on the nice. LD. Yeah, we'll just keep calling it the Orange Bowl. <laughs> so next we're going to jump out and go West Coast for a little bit and talk to our, uh, our Dodger fan, Jeanette. Did you amend that to fan of the 2020 World Series champion Dodgers? That would be just a, a, just a little bit better for me. Just just sure, a we bit. can do that. One percent better. The loss to the Astros because they cheated, but finally won a ring for Kershaw. No, take that out. Take that champion. out. No, no, no. <laughs> like, you're making it worse. You're 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 pedaling back. It was also only there. a 60 game season, so yeah, boo. Doesn't count. Asterisk. Yeah, but if it was anybody else's team, yeah, I would be supportive. I would be like supportive. Crazy. I'm well aware. Well, I would that, be that's supportive. a character flaw for you, Jeanette. That's not a character flaw on us. We're not supporting the Dodgers. I know. You, you always got to hate the winner, right? Ugh. Of course. So, um, June, I did want to let you know that on March 31st, 2018, it was the second game of the season for the Dodgers. And I arrived to that game two and a half hours early with my son. And he was 14 
back then, 13, 14. He has never gone back to a game because he hated me for taking him so damn early. So I can't bribe him anymore. Like when he was little with uh, snacks, uh, popcorn, chocolate, whatever, he won't go anymore. He's like, I won't sit through it. This is not, no, don't take me. You can go and watch history. Leave me home. Please don't do that to me. Show him some Mookie Betts highlights. No, he he just doesn't want the experience anymore. Devastating. Youth. Um, so the topic that I wanted to engage you guys, and it uh, seems very fitting since uh, you guys are in the digital content, um, and that's where you guys you know post a lot of your information for all of us baseball fans. And it's um, an idea that I got from the Tipping Pitches pod, which is giftable players and memeable moments of baseball. So I have a few and I wanted to see where you guys would add or if you guys agree or disagree with me. So I'll start with memeable moments. And of course, it's Bobby Ballantyne in the dugout with the fake mustache and the glasses after he had been kicked out of the game and came back and continued to mad, you know, to manage. That's always something that comes up as a memeable moment. And then, of course, from my Dodgers Bellinger last year in the NLDS against the Padres when he just looked very high, (laughs) not going to hide it. And that has been used so many times uh, for just like, uh, whoa. So that was him. Uh, Giffable, the Joe Kelly kissy face after the uh, strikeout to one Carlos Correa. Any Blake Snell reaction gif, um, I'm there for it. He's so great. Um, I guess it's probably of him being a gamer that it comes out of. He just has a really great reaction most of the time. He's a very expressive guy. Yes. Yes. It's awesome. Even if, you know, you, I mean, you can read the four letter, with or without the four letter words. It's a great, he's so great. Uh, G-Man Choi doing the splits. Oh, just so fantastic to see him get down and it's like whoa and then he gets back up with such ease it's wonderful and um this one we just recently celebrated the anniversary and it's randy johnson hitting the bird so those are my moments that i came up with i think immediately uh what comes to my mind just thinking of of uh what you're talking about was just the original uh, the punch, the Jose Batista Rugnetto door punch. Um, and I remember yes. that was one of the first, uh, not one of the first, but I remember people like using that as like me, my responsibilities, like tagging different things across the photo of like who you were and that type of thing where, you know, we're trying to spread baseball stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, by the way, for what it's worth, I love the guys over at tipping pitches. I think they're amazing. Uh, Alex and Bobby. Of, yeah. Yeah. Huge fan of their work. Uh, been on with them a couple of times and they're super, super cool. So big fan of them. Uh, but yeah, oh, I mean, all those moments are amazing. The ones you just named. Uh, I would, I would also add in Bartolo Colon's Homer. Yes. One of, his, one of one of my yeah. favorite one of my favorite internet moments of all time. I can't believe I missed that as a golden opportunity. And I mean it was it, it was truly a day I will never forget because I don't think I've laughed harder at a baseball highlight. Big sexy getting it will. done. Yeah. It was such a magical moment. And I don't it was something that everyone obviously wanted to happen, but I don't think everyone ever expected to actually happen so to see it not only happen but happen off of james shields an all-star pitcher it was just like what is happening you know yeah it was one of those moments where you think that maybe the simulation we're all living in is just broken like it's just clearly something just went off and there's like a black hole that got created because bartolo cologne hit a homer off james or just like one of those moments where you like ponder whether or not there's a higher being because like it makes you like really question like (laughs) is this a gift for society? You know, like, yeah, is this a moment to help you know. us realize that life is life is life can be funny. Yeah, I guess so. Who is the manager that Pedro threw to the ground when he tried to fight Don Zimmer? Don Zimmer. Don yes. Zimmer. That's that. So that is me like attacking life at some points and then life just throwing my ass to the ground. Uh, that's the perfect reaction for me quite a bit. So sorry. Right. Just want to yeah. throw that in there. I hate I, that moment makes me sad, but the idea that you're painting yourself as the Don Zimmer character as opposed to Pedro makes it okay. 
Also, Donson was charging at Pedro. He yeah. was. He, yeah. was, he was asking right for it. Him. It's the craziest. It's one of the. It's something that to this day I cannot believe happened in real life because you have to wonder what was going through every both of their heads as that's happening. Because it had to be like slow motion for Pedro, who's like, "Am I gonna have to throw this old man to the ground right now?" Because he is running at me as fast as he possibly can. That's yeah, me also, charging life head on and then getting my ass thrown to the ground. Also, 100%. he like died not that long after that happened. Like it was like one of the last major moments of his life in his baseball career. Like it was. Are you, are you making an accusation? No, 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 we're not. We're not saying. Pe- no one's saying Pedro killed Don Zimmer here, are we? Is that? Is <laughs> no, that I'm just. Take? I'm just sure, saying that it's. It is one of the last major life moments of his life before his passing, yes. and those two re- moments are unrelated. Yeah, it's one of the last things. It's certainly, I mean, it's the last thing I remember of Don Zimmer. Like, he had this unbelievable baseball career, you know, historically throughout time. And the one, if you say Don Zimmer, I'm immediately going to think of that, unfortunately. Because everyone remembers first impression and, you know, last impression. So, unfortunately. Oh, last impression. (laughs) Let the record show one more time. Pedro had nothing to do with the passing of Don Zimmer. Yeah, for legal reasons. Right. You made us sign a waiver when we came on here verbally, so I understand. We we don't know if the Zimmer estate is litigious or not, and we do not want to know. Or or Pedro. I guess Pedro's. Yeah. Very well said, Jeanette. Thank you. I I just, for me, that moment is personified when Zimmer comes out with the army helmet on after the fact, like at the post game, like that's just like, you know, and, but anyway, another seminal Yankee Red Sox moment that has nothing to do with baseball, so to speak, or on the field stuff. So now we're going to go up North to our correspondent up in Canada. We're going to go to Schweitz. What do you got for us? Hey guys. So I'm, uh, I'm up in Toronto, so I'm only an hour away from the, uh, the Schitt's Creek, uh, motel. So Jeremy, you want to come up? I'll pick you up at the airport. I'll drive you around up there. You know, if my What's wife's cool with me picking up a stranger at the airport and driving them to a, a motel an hour away. Um, my girlfriend's cool with me flying to Canada be, to be picked up by a stranger to be driven to a, a motel that's an hour away. So we're in the same boat. Bring her too, more the merrier. Um, so I'm just wondering, since so obviously last year with COVID, there were uh, a lot of changes to how things were done. The Blue Jays were playing in Buffalo. I'm just wondering if this year um, any teams are facing any similar challenges uh, from a, you know, uniquely um, just because what state they're in or jurisdiction or anything like that. I don't think so. Yeah, my gut is to say no. Uh, but I do imagine that like theoretically just the daily lives of players living in different places right now is, is different when they're at home. Um, like someone, for example, living here in Miami, well, they can do anything they want all the time, wherever there are no restrictions in public. So it's up to them to be sure, at least until, you know, vaccinations happen and, and the like that they're not putting themselves in a situation where that's uh, problematic. Same deal for the guys on the road trip. There were actual temptations down here in Miami that didn't exist the last time these guys came down here during last season. Like it's free reign. Uh, I imagine someone living in a state where there are some more restrictions right now is having a different experience. Uh, And that might be good or bad for them for baseball, right? You're locked at home. Could be a good thing that, you know, you don't have any other distractions could be a bad thing that you don't have anything to sort of be able to go out and, and release a little bit. So, um, but other than that, just the mental part of it, I don't really think any teams are dealing with actual restrictions for major league baseball. Yeah. I remember talking to some players last year uh, and a lot of guys uh, were just kind of staying at home during the season uh, and not really doing a lot. So I assume, depending on the trajectory of COVID in this country, which you cannot take for granted, clearly, given the ups and downs and the seemingly impending fourth wave that we're about to go through. Oh, God. Yep. Uh, it's kind of, I mean, I, I assume by the end of the season that it'll be different, but um, I think it's going to be a player team by player by player team by team thing. The Red Sox had a scare this year where they, 
or this past week where they uh, had a reliever who it ended up being a, a false positive, but there was a scare for a couple of days there that there was going to be an outbreak on the Red Sox and didn't end up happening. But, you know, COVID's still out there. The virus is mutating. And, uh, you know, some of these guys in Italy probably just given the politics of all of this probably don't want to wear masks. So yep. we'll see how all this turns out. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So now we're going to throw it out to uh, Beep Count. He's got a couple questions for you guys. Go ahead, Beep. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. June, it's nice to meet you. Jeremy, it's always a pleasure seeing you. Um, let's get a, let's get a little serious here. Um, let's get some previews of what's going to happen this season. Um, who's who's winning the American League? Who's winning the National League? Who's coming out? Jude, you want to take it? You want me to go? Totally up to you. Oh, did I just lose? June's muted. Hello. Oh, go ahead. There we he hear is. you now. You muted, but you're good. My bad. Uh, you want- I, I chose the the Padres coming out of the National League. Uh, uh- part partially as a, I think I if I'm being completely honest, partially as like a the Dodgers is too easy uh, to pick as a World Series winner. Um, I also just don't believe in like baseball having it's very hard in baseball, I think, to have back to back champions because I think there's always a championship hangover. Um, but uh, the Padres coming out of the NL for me, I think I chose the Yankees if I'm going to be consistent with my like, oh! season picks. Um, but I think the White Sox are going to be a threat for the Yankees this year. I think that team is really, really legit, even though Elo Jimenez is out for a couple months. Like, I think that team is going to be, they're, they're going to be really good this year. And I chose Tim Anderson as my MVP pick. So that's, that's who I've got. Well, I'd, I'd love to hear all that. I, uh, what's funny is I was going to say, I think the only team that can actually challenge the Yankees in the American league is Chicago. Although the team I'm weirdly rooting for to come out of the American league are the angels. And I know that that's a very long shot, but for a number of reasons, I would love to see that team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but, it's... <laughs> but for a number of reasons, I would love to see that team uh, make it, make it and make a run. And so uh, to me, I think the, in the National League, um, obviously the Dodgers are the favorite. They are the team who should win it um, by every measurable. They are the best team in baseball. Um, they adding Trevor Bauer to what they already had is just it's silly. Um, I am rooting for the Padres also, and I and for that matter, I think that they are the first and second best teams in baseball. Um, and so it is a, a shame for uh, the National League West that that's how it works out for them, that one of them has to be a wild card because I believe they're the two best teams in baseball overall. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to say that I think it's the Dodgers and the Yankees, but I'm just going to go ahead and float out there Padres and angels just to kind of willfully push it Nobody's and make it that. happen. Nobody's I'm saying it. That. I'm just putting it out there because I really, want nobody's it. watching that worst ratings in history. If that's the okay. world series, yeah, if you build fine. it, they will come Jeremy. Maybe, that's what yeah. I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, I'm trying to will it into existence. I just, I want to see that lineup thrive. I want to see Shohei Tani have an MVP <laughs> season and I want to see uh, Mike Trout get a shot in the playoffs. So it's unbelievable, Jeanette. Uh, dare to dream, Jeremy. Dare to dream. I am. All right. So June, um, since you're a Red Sox fan, I want to hit you and get your sort of personal opinion on what you feel about them hiring back Cora. And how you feel, do you, do you think the punishment was enough? Do you think, I mean, and I'm asking you more as a fan than necessarily a baseball writer, but uh, I just sort of wanted to get your opinion on what you thought of that. Or how are you going to rationalize it? Let's say it that way. This is, a, I would say, an incredibly complicated conversation topic. And I think Cora, I mean, let's see. How do I say this? <laughs> uh, you can choose I not think, to, it's fine. I'll ask JT. I think... I think considering the circumstances of who they had a choice to hire as manager, Alex Cora was the by far not even close the best choice because the clubhouse loves him. 
he is a really, really good manager. I there's very few managers in baseball I think connect with their ball players in the same way that Alex Cora does. Uh, and you know, I was I was talking about this uh, earlier today with another writer, but you know, he he the 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 players on that team like really really play for him. Like they view him not just as the manager, but as like a almost like a teammate, which I think is really really unique in terms of the player relationship in baseball. That being said. Uh, it was really, really hard for me to rationalize uh, Cora and Hinch only getting a year of punishment considering the circumstances of all of that. So, you know, as a Red Sox fan, I think for the overall outlook of the team, great thing. In terms of the bigger picture macro moralization for baseball, I think it should have been stronger. I also think players should have been punished as well. Um, but that's neither here or there, I guess. Um, that being said, uh, Cora is a very, very charming guy. And uh, I know that uh, a lot of Red Sox fans are incredibly excited to have him back. So, you know, from the selfish vantage point as a Red Sox fan, uh, probably the best person to run the team. From a national baseball writer perspective, I probably, he, I think that he probably should have gotten a stronger punishment. So, And just to piggyback on that, I'm assuming you feel he'll get three, four, five years, because the Reddicks, even this year, aren't expected to do a lot. I mean, they'll, they'll be middle of the rung, I feel like, in East, but. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to compete for a wild card spot. I'm not sure that they're a favorite to get a wild card spot, if, but if everything breaks their way in terms of basically the rotation, if they have a bunch of these, like, one-year lottery things like Garrett Richards work out, like, I think they have a shot at winning maybe high 80s. I think best case scenario is high, high seventies, low eighties in terms of wins, maybe around 500. Um, I think it's a really, really big year for Heim Bloom because Red Sox fans are really impatient and the narrative is already against him. Cause he, at the end of the day, he's, you know, he traded Mookie bets. Um, I think he was kind of brought into a position where he was forced to trade Mookie bets because of the work that Dave Dombrowski did, but Red Sox fans are impatient. Uh, he wants to build out Dodgers West East coast pretty much in terms of having a farm system that perpetually kind of builds back up the roster and having the flexibility to spend big money, but we'll see whether or not ownership gives them the time, because I think as we see with the Red Sox over the last 15 years or so, they go up and down very, very quickly. I understand that. So uh, just to give you similar time, JT, do you want to give me five minutes on the Marlins? Of your team or, uh, you know, just equal time here as if we're a political show. I mean, I, I guess so. I would, I can say if you want something on the Marlins, that's fun is uh, their pitching is going to be fun to watch. Um, every night they're throwing somebody out there that is entertaining on the mound. Uh, I think somebody that not enough people are talking about is actually their fifth starter or he'll be named their fifth starter, Trevor Rogers. Uh, he is electric. Like I'm, it's this crazy thing with, with the Marlins where, you know, Sixto Sanchez is getting just a tremendous amount of hype understandably. And he is really terrific, but like, I think Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez have better seasons than he does this year. And I'm actually like, almost as excited if not more excited to see trevor rogers and then ultimately edward cabrera and then one day max meyer as i am to see Sixto. like it's he's just one of a bunch of arms that are these big power arms in their system that you know hopefully he's as special as he's shown flashes of um but what's cool is that even if he doesn't have this sort of breakout you know rookie of the year style season um they're still gonna have fun pitching uh you know and, and, you know, those veteran bats, hopefully they'll at least be entertaining enough to be competitive into, you know, August, September and, and, you know, put the team in a position where maybe they sell a couple of pieces off at the deadline that are these expiring contracts that can be valuable to other teams. Um, but on the same note, you know, I, I think that they can compete because of those young pitchers. So that'll be fun. Good. I mean, you know, like I said before, I think baseball's better when, when everybody's sort of got a much better rooting interest than, you know, who are we getting rid of this time and how are we helping, you know, Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, et cetera, kind of thing. Yeah, and it might happen. I mean, look, there's yeah. there's a number of players on that roster that like 
could be useful to other teams in a way that might not be useful to the Marlins come the trade deadline, whether that be Garrett Cooper or Jesus Aguilar at first, Adam Duvall, Corey Dickerson, Starling Marte, who I think they they want to kind of keep you know, going forward. I think they hope to keep Marte, even if he ultimately moves to a corner outfield position as a veteran out there. But even he, if the right offer came about at the deadline, he's an he's could leave in the off season. So there's a number of players. They could totally tear it down at the deadline if they're not competing and the injury bug hits the starting pitchers. Right. Yeah. But having good young pitching is, is, is always useful. And, you know, you're always going to have lumps, bumps in a road sort of with, with any sort of group of, of young pitchers I've got in mind. So we're going to go out to Jeff, um, another unfortunate Dodger fan. Uh, not an unfortunate Dodger fan. It's been quite fortunate of late. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I have a very important question and thanks for joining us guys. Uh, but bo- before I get to that, I'm not going to go Jeanette crazy, but I will say um as somebody who lives 15 minutes from Angel Stadium and drives two hours to go to Dodger games instead, um, they're never going to be good. They're the Clippers. They're just always going to be the Clippers. Like it's just, it's just how it is. Unfortunately, it's just. Let a man dream. I'm out here on the East Coast. I don't have to understand the interpersonal dynamics of the Dodgers and Angels fans. Let me dream that okay. my guys can make it to a ship. All right. Okay. Come on. Godspeed. Um, the rally monkey's cute Godspeed. and all, but it's how much? Perfect. How much can uh, you get out of that? You know. A- anyway, the uh, the pressing the pressing question I had was as follows: um, If you had to go into the desert in an RV to search for Sasquatch with a um, particular former MLB star, which former MLB star would you choose? So am I allowed to pick the one that that everyone? Should uh, other than Canseco, other than Canseco, other than Canseco. Okay, I, I'm glad. I should I should have clarified. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified. If I had to go, Doc Ellis. Excellent. You know. Nice. You know why. <laughs> June. Oh man. Uh. Are we like trying to have fun, or are we actually trying to find Sasquatch? That's actually a really good point. I mean, it's that, but it's also you want to make sure you come back alive, which is probably I've why Canseco wasn't choice. the greatest. I will anyway. go with Mo Berg because <laughs> that dude will make sure I come back alive. That's such a good excellent. Well, uh, gentlemen, I thank you very so much, much for your answer. thoughtful, uh, thoughtful answers and contributions to our podcast here. Uh, Ant, back to you. JT, you want a second <laughs> chance? Go ahead. Oh no! I can see it's you, uh... fine. I've been I've been so shown up. I feel like a fool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like Mo Berg just as a it's former perfect. spy. Yeah, would... it's literally it's the perfect answer. And I, as the uh, as the Jewish guy, should have been even more in on this. But here I am picking Doc freaking Ellis. I don't even do drugs. What am I saying? Ridiculous. Uh, yeah. You can keep him on the straight and narrow for uh, a couple of games, maybe. I mean, he's got that unlocked part of his mind, right? He's the one who would find Sasquatch. Yes. I'm digging in. I'm digging in on this tape. The problem is you'll go out there and you'll find out he's actually a shave-down Sasquatch. That's the problem. (laughs) No, others receiving votes, Randy Johnson and Mike Lowell. Mm. Mike Lowell? Why Mike Lowell? I don't know. Who chose Mike Lowell? I would put I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Randy Johnson, a, he's going to catch him, skin him, turn him into jerky, sell it on the side <laughs> of the road. You guys are going to make a couple bucks out of the whole That's thing. That's aggressive. Throw a baseball from across the desert and knock him down. And then uh, exactly. you'll be able this to pick a, him up. This is like a scene out of Breaking Bad. This is like the yeah. scene where in the office where Dwight like takes, yes. like knives out the face of the dummy. <laughs> yeah. It's Randy, someone's got to Photoshop it. Then he's going to get into like a different part of the Hall of Fame just for doing that. Perfect. Watch. Watch. It's going to happen. But no one will see it because he'll hit the cameraman when he tries to film him doing it. So, hey, just for full on Randy Johnson. uh... (laughs) Yeah. Yes, exactly. Thank you, kids, for the rim shot. (laughs) Well, we're going to land the plane here before we go too far off the rails. Um, I think we've uh, covered a a good smelling of topics. I would like to thank June Lee. and Jeremy Taché, the other JT, 
June, where can we find you on all the social media places? Uh, I'm at June Lee on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm at June. Awesome. Hit me up. We will. And we'll make sure to tweet out your article uh, when it comes out, because that seems like it's going to be a very interesting read. What about you, Jeremy? Where can we find you? Yeah, at Jeremy Taché cross-platform. I really wish that I could get something as cool as just at Jeremy. That's awesome. Get at June on Instagram. I was going to say, how do you get at June? That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, I had some help. That That was not just me. I had some help. That is incredible. Uh, But yeah, I'm at Jeremy Taché on Twitter, Instagram, uh, everywhere else. And I don't even know what at the present moment we're two hours away from rebrand. And I actually don't know what to tell you in terms of the social handles for Bally sports, Florida. Uh, So just search Bally space sports space, Florida. And I'm sure you will find everything you need to. If not, you can just come to my Twitter. It'll be in my bio. We'll also make sure to posting a lot of annoying content. We'll tag it when we, uh, when we release the episode. So sweet. Thank you guys for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Um, I hope we didn't scare you off too much, June. Uh, Jeremy's sort of used to our our nonsense, but this is your first time. And, you know, we'll have to check back in in a couple months and see where we are. Yeah, thanks thanks for having me on. Welcome. Thanks, as always. Thanks, guys. guys. Thank you, guys. And so now, before we head off, can I get a thank you, Jeremy? Thank you, June. Thank you. One, two, three. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeanette, for uh, keeping us uh, always left. <laughs> Not everyone. Hey, thanks again, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lauer After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lauer After Hours or Instagram at Lauer After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars. Aaron's makes getting the furniture, electronics, and appliances you need easy and affordable. Great deals, easy approvals, Free delivery? That's Aaron's, the rent-to-own power of the AA team.